on today's Locked On Texan podcast, Recap Mondays. We look at what went right, what went wrong, as Cody and I look at the 25-9 loss suffered at the hands of the Baltimore Ravens. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Monday episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you to all of our new subscribers, new listeners. If this is your first time, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Subscribe, like, and comment to the Locked On Texan Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, Apple Music, and Spotify. Thank you to all of our returning listeners coming back as we continue to talk Texans your team every day. I'm John, some sports guy Hickman, of course, your Texan football analyst. And joining me, as always, is your Texans beat reporter, credentialed media member, and Sports Illustrated's own Cody Davis, here to discuss the 25-9 loss suffered at the hands of the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. C.J. Stroud, 28, 40, 28 of 44 from the field, 242 yards, no TDs, no interceptions, he was sacked five times, so we'll definitely get into that. Damian Pierce had a pedestrian type of day, 11 carries, 38 yards on the ground as a team. For a team that wanted to establish the run, as a team, the Houston Texans ran for 72 yards on 23 carries, 3.1 yards per carry. Leading the wide receiver core, Cody, listeners, mm. guess who it was? Your third man, Nico Collins, six catches, 80 yards on 11 targets. I think the 11 targets may be the more impressive one. Nico was doing a very good job of getting open. As a team, the Houston Texans did get after Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, excuse me, making his day very difficult. Four sacks on a day, five tackles for a loss. Two of those sacks came from who? One from Will Anderson, one from John Grenard. The two DN studs that Houston has been waiting to see in terms of John Grenard and the rookie who this team traded up for, Will mm. Anderson. He had a very good day. Could have had multiple sacks on the day if Lamar Jackson was not Lamar Jackson overall. When you look at the Houston Texans, Cody, you know what stands out to me as a team that did a very good job of winning the time of possession in the first half. In the second half, not so much. In total, came down to the Baltimore Ravens winning the time of possession on the day. One of four on fourth down, seven to 18 on third down. So they were not efficient in moving the chains on the money downs when they needed to. And again, as a team, rushed for uh, 3.1 yards per play on the ground. Defensively, they did a very good job. Again, containing Lamar Jackson, did not throw for over 200 yards, did not run for over 40 yards. Zay Flowers, the high man on the day for their wide receivers, 78 yards, one of those big plays he had. But for the most part, their wide receivers were kept in check. Houston did a very good job of creating turnovers on the day, which was something that I wanted to see, an interception that was by Steven Nelson. They also recovered uh, a fumble on the day as well. When we look at the Houston Texans, we're looking at the wins. We're looking at the losses. Let's start with the losses. Since they lost on Sunday, offensive line struggles. Cody, take it away. 
Um, they did exactly what I was worried about, not overcoming the injuries. And that's including the guys who are already on the injury list. When you look at guys like Titus Howard, Scott Quisenberry, um, Jimmy Ward. However, this game also brought two other injuries with the loss of Jalen Petrie. And on that offensive line, once again, my God, George Fant. And look, I understand. I get it, George Fant. He had his struggles at the start of the game like the rest of that offensive line. However, with George Fant going down, that is just another blow to that offensive line. John, that is my number one concern. And as a matter of fact, I would go as far as to say, if the Texans were healthier and if the Texans had all of their players, I'm not going to sit here and say they would have won, but this game would have been a lot closer when you look at all the good things that worked in the Texans' favor. we get into that in, in the second segment. But, of course, the worst thing of all, injuries, penalties, that offensive line was terrible for the Houston Texans. And to be honest with you, John and listeners, the number one thing that kind of bugged me the most about the O-line play was the play from Laramie Tunsil. I mean, this might have been, I'm not going to say his worst performance since he got here with the Houston Texans, but this was right up there. What he had about two or three penalties called against him. And this is a team that had nine penalties called against them, which resulted in 88 yards for the Baltimore Ravens. And as a matter of fact, Coach D'Amico Ryans even talked about it after the game. He said, look, I know we wasn't 100% healthy. I know we was depending on a lot of our young guys to go out there and make plays in their very first game. However, they need to make sure that they play clean and sound football, and that is not what took place inside MNT Bank Stadium. John, the penalties was ferocious, and that was one of my – biggest concerns when I looked at the review of this game Sunday. By the way, when you look at the Texans defense, and they play really, really good, but the loss of Jalen Petrie goes hand in hand into the Texans not being able to overcome those injuries. As a matter of fact, the Houston Texans defense with Jalen Petrie in the first half, they did hold the Baltimore Ravens to 53 passing yards. However, with Jalen Petrie out, along with Jimmy Ward already sidelined, they did give up 102 in the passing yards. And when you go back and you take a look at that game, majority of the big plays that Lamar Jackson made downfield especially with Zay Flowers, one of the guys I was hoping the Houston Texans drafted, came in the second half with a depleted defensive backfield. Yeah, and and, and when Jalen Petrie went out, one of the things that I noticed is it did change up how the Houston Texans were calling uh, some of their more aggressive plays. It was one of the mm-hmm. plays where uh, there was a blitz from – it was a double blitz, I think a zero blitz. And so you had Christian Harris come up the middle. You had Jalen Petrie come off the edge and so the middleman is always who you take care of first that's a rule you always take care of the inside left Jalen Petrie free off the edge and he was mm-hmm. able to get into the face of Lamar Jackson and, and force Lamar Jackson to air throw and Houston was able to get off the field uh speaking of Laramie Tunsil to your point there was a play uh third and three CJ hits Tank Dale for a nine-yard gain. It was called back due to a Larry Tunsil holding. And so mm-hmm. uh, the nine penalties, 88 yards, like Cody mentioned, those were some of the things where I think this team, along with the rest of the NFL, took preseason for granted in a sense. Oh, of, it was not a lot of continuity offensively. <laughs> defensively, it was a defensive day. But going back to that, when we look at the offensive line woes, yeah, your captain. Laramie Tunsil, he didn't have the best of days. And 
when your captain isn't having the best of days, then it trickles down to an offensive line that's already depleted, playing with second and third stringers. Um, I thought Fant, like the rest of the offensive line, had a very tough time at the beginning of the game. One mm-hmm. of the things that I noticed, within the first three drives, when I take my notes, I like to look at the first three drives of the half for both the offense and the defense. And offensively, the game was just too fast for Houston during those first three drives. I thought Baltimore was more aggressive, more faster, and they were more disciplined. You also look at some of the bad things or some of the losses which led to the Houston Texans loss. Bobby Slough, I thought that he used play action way too much against the Baltimore Ravens instead of at times letting C.J. Stroud just drop back. I think early in the game, he took a lot of the steam away from Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce opened up this game four carries, I want to say 21 or 22 yards. He ended the game with 38 yards. And so I think the steam was taken away from him. Again, the offensive line wasn't the best. But we look at some of that play calling from um, from, from Bobby Slug. I was confused at times. It's, sometimes I was like, is it Pepe Hamilton calling the plays? But overall, Houston burned, I want to say, three timeouts during the course of the game. Got three in the first, three in the second half. And they burned three of them due to having to, oh, my goodness, the clock is about to strike zero and the play isn't coming off yet. And so I wonder if that was due to the miscommunication from the sideline of getting the play on the field. They just were not ready at certain times throughout the game, especially early on. They burned three timeouts, and it was eight minutes left in the second quarter. That was an issue when you look at some of the losses that led to the loss overall, and the game was just too fast for them early on, right? Mm-hmm. Um we, we, we got to talk about some good things because some good things did happen, no doubt about it. But I think that's, that's what I look at when I see the losses from Sunday's matchup. But you know who we hadn't mentioned yet, guys? CJ's supposed security blanket. Did not hear Dalton Schultz's name. Did not see anything positive from Dalton Schultz. Now, again, does that go back to Bobby Slowick not prioritizing him in those situations where I don't think a screen to the – to the outside, to your outside receiver, is smart right now when it's 34, 35, right? You have a tight end that played with an all-pro quarterback, was a pro bowl. I think Donald Schultz was an all-pro at one point. Some of the miscommunication and miscues offensively, I think, goes back to Bobby Slug, hmm. him being a rookie. We look at a rookie quarterback in the day that he had, and I think CJ had a very good day, honestly, given the circumstance. But Bobby Slug is a rookie, first-time offensive coordinator, and I think the game was more overwhelming for Bobby Slowick than it was for C.J. Stroud. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out and trust LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Super easy. Post your job, then add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. 
Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this recap Monday installment of Locked On Texans, the very first one of the 2023 campaign. Unfortunately, it's not a victory Monday. However, despite the 25 to 9 loss to the Baltimore Ravens, John, I really liked what I saw from the Houston Texans Sunday afternoon. Um, and I only say that because, look, a lot of the issues and the struggles that we saw, I, in my opinion, I think it had a lot a lot to do with the injuries. However, the players that was out there on the field, especially the young players who was out there on the field, man, I think they played really, really good. And, of course, I'm going to start with the rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud. Look, the, 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 the first quarter, it was kind of tough on your boy because, you know, it seemed like he had a hard time going through his read. The offensive line had a hard time, you know, trying to keep the pocket clean. However, what I liked about CJ, starting in the second quarter, you saw something switch for CJ. He got more confident. He kept his composure. And that led to him being able to get the ball out a lot quicker. And I like that because given the heroic, given the terrible play, of that offensive line, C.J. Stroud knew that he definitely needed to get the ball out quicker, and that's exactly what he did during the last three quarters. As a matter of fact, in the first quarter, C.J. Stroud threw, um, completed four out of his six pass attempts for only six yards. However, between the second and the fourth quarter, that young man threw for 236 yards while going 24 for 38. Just imagine what he's able to do once that offensive line becomes healthy. Also want to mention is, by the way, the wide receiving core, but most noticeably Robert Woods. I know throughout training camp, mandatory camp, OTAs, preseason, I wasn't high on Robert Woods. However, this was the first time I said Woods is actually executing what he was brought into this offense and brought into this team to do. And that is to be a security blanket for C.J. Stroud. You saw once he started to get things connected with Robert Woods, that is when we really start, saw this offense move the ball down the field. I love the way how he was utilizing his wide receivers. Also, shout out to Nico Collins. We are expecting this to be a breakout year for Collins, and this first game showed that as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. And and to and to your point with CJ, the Georgia game. Oh, he can use his legs certain times throughout preseason. Oh, he can, you know, he's not the statue, but will he be able to consistently do like we heard the questions, we heard the, the uncertainty surrounding CJ and the offensive line for Houston throughout the entire game, but mainly in that first quarter. Like they had a very difficult time handling those stunts and those blitz. And for CJ, yeah, he got sacked sometimes. But there were times where he broke out the pocket and either extended the play and was not able to connect with a wide receiver down the field or just maybe threw it out or used his legs. And so I love the fact that the accuracy, we saw that, right? We saw him being able to keep his eyes downfield and make the play. He's a tough kid. You see CJ not making a lot of the same mistakes over and over again. And a lot of the times when you saw those mistakes that may have, you know, duplicated from a drive or two before, it's just difficult to do certain things better when the offensive line was playing that way and guys in your face consistently throughout the game. But I love the fact that he used his legs. Also, shout out to Nico Collins. I think one of the brighter spots 
hmm. from Sunday's game. The question marks. Is it the better quarterback play or is he just mid, right? Or, you know, should they move on from him, get rid of him? 11 targets. Now, I'm not 100% sure, but I don't think Nico Collins has ever had a game with 11 targets. So that's something we'll look at later in the week, guys. In the YouTube comments, you come let us know. But those targets, he was able to get some catches on a run. He was able to be a possession receiver. Nico had one of those games where the only thing he didn't do was score a touchdown. Hmm. Right? And so you like to see that from Nico. But I'm going to flip side it. I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball. Now, before we talk about the number three overall pick, Denzel Perriman, 11 tackles hmm. on, the th- on the day. I thought – and this is coming from a guy that still does not believe in the depth of their linebacker group. Denzel Perriman was by far the better linebacker on the day for Houston. No doubt about it. I loved everything that Denzel Perriman uh, was able to bring to the table for the Houston Texans. What is Grenard going to do? <laughs> what is Grenard going to do? John Grenard from the tip top of the game. You know what I loved about John Grenard? He had a sack early in the game on Lamar Jackson. But I'm going to tell you what I like about John Grenard. If you remember, and I think he's a better athlete, but when J.J. Watt was very good on one side, you had Jadavian Clowney. And before mm-hmm. that, you had Antonio Smith. And so what I'm seeing from – Will Anderson, as SARS loved to put it last week, and we, we got an opportunity to see it because I'm going to get to Will Anderson. He's going to be the star, right? Uh, he's going to be the star on the opposite side of the ball. But for John Gennard, your job is to make sure there's a, there, you got contained on the opposite side and you're able to affect the run game. I saw that. When Lamar Jackson, who can normally break out and make a play at any time using his legs, he had an opportunity, but John Grenard was right there playing the contain every step of the way, and he was just able to step up and make that sack on Lamar Jackson. That was early in the game. And so I love his presence. I love what he was able to bring on the field, and I think going up against an offense like the Baltimore Ravens, more so a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, where at any given moment – he is out of your reach just like that. He's Houdini on the field. John Gennard made plays. Okay, but now <laughs> the number three overall pick. This guy could have had four sacks on the day if Lamar Jackson was just not Lamar Jackson. <laughs> but what you saw from Weir Anderson is everything that has been advertised. Is <laughs> everything that we've talked about going all the way back to training camp, going all the way back. Will Anderson is the guy. And I'm going to tell you what he did on that sack that I really didn't like to see, Cody. Got a little hippie. Got his bend. Got got his hips was moving. Got a good bend on that. Forced Lamar Jackson up the pocket. And then that motor kicked in. And then that strength kicked in all at the same time. He was able to move the lineman out the way and make a play on that. This was a game that featured three first-rounders in the 2023 draft. CJ, um, Will Anderson and Zay Flowers. I thought all three of those guys looked good, but specifically mm. for the Houston Texans, CJ was very good. And I'm anticipating the game against Anthony Richardson this upcoming week. But Will Anderson looks like the guy that will be a cornerstone for your defense, not just your defensive line, for your defense. All, by, by the way, before Jalen Petra went out, he was a stud on the day as well. 
You know, this game, as I mentioned, I understand if you look at the stats, you look at the final score, you might think to yourself that the Texans got their behind handed to them, but they didn't. And and what I love most about the Texans defense was their ability to stop the run. You look on the stat sheet, they did give up 110 yards on the ground. However, you're playing against Lamar Jackson. And in my opinion, he's a top three quarterback in the league, given everything that he can do. And But if you take away the 32 yards that he rushed for, you're looking at a situation where the Texans gave up less than 100 yards with only 78 on the ground. John, this game is definitely a cornerstone. And not only yeah. that, it shows that everything that we've been talking about from D'Amico Rhines, Bobby Slaw, we'll get into him a little bit more in the next segment. But the, 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 the young players like CJ, Will Anderson, even some of the veterans like Robert Wood, Nico Collins, this game, if you really sit down and watch and study these plays, this game shows how much better this organization is going to be moving forward. And, and this is what I wanted to see. I wanted to see if everything that we've been hooping and hollering about ever since the start of Ricky Minicamp, was it going to come into yeah. fruition in week one? And it did. And I think the best part about it, guys, is, I mean, you you take away the injuries. And so the offensive line is one of them. We're going into training camp. That was a strong point. Mm-hmm. But the defense is as good as advertised. Now, granted, they went up against an offensive coordinator who just got to Baltimore and, and, and Todd Munkin, didn't have an opportunity to really get around and, and, and get Lamar Jackson out on the field for preseason. And again, I think preseason was taken for granted for all 32 teams in the NFL. But here's the thing. Last year, this team probably could have, you know, not even practiced and ran for 200 on Houston. <laughs> right? And, and and you look at the team, like they held them to 110. Cody, to your point, you take away what Lamar Jackson did under 100 yards, right? You take away what Lamar Jackson did, that 3.4 yards per carry, which is already there with Lamar Jackson, that's probably closer to three, right? And they got the turnovers. You're talking about swarm defense. That's what you saw against the Baltimore Ravens. Did not result in a win, but damn it, excuse me, did it not allow Houston to stay in the game until the game was out of reach? Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all new customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. This app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from the spreads to the player props and much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Before we close out this recap Monday installment of Locked On Texans, John, I kind of want to revisit this conversation that's going on, not just here on this show about Bobby Sloyd, but if you look at fans' tweets, if you look at people's articles and everything else in between, um, Bobby Sloyd is catching some heat for his official debut as his team offensive coordinator. I'm not going to sit here and say that I liked every single one of the calls that was that was made on the offensive side of the ball but john i'm wondering if one how much of the calls that we did see bobby sloyd make how much was that just simply due to the inabilities of the offensive line 
And two and most importantly, some people are saying that Bobby Sloyd was a little bit too aggressive, especially when you consider that the Texans went forward on fourth and one, not once but twice, I believe. Um, I like the aggressiveness without a shadow of a doubt yeah. because yeah, and that's, that's kind of I don't think that's a Bobby Sloyd. I think that's a, that's a D'Amico thing. I, I've seen some people talk about it. I'm like, look, I'm 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 happy the Texans went forward on fourth and one, not too much for the first one, but especially the second one because I'm looking at that from a standpoint. Look. Ever since Tim Kelly was 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 the offensive coordinator for the Texans, that is something that we always wanted to see, especially during the time when you had the quarterback and Deshaun Watson to do those type of things. And to see that in the very first game with a rookie quarterback and C.J. Stroud, who's going to be this team's next franchise quarterback, I like the aggressiveness. However, I don't want to put too much of the blame on Bobby Sloyd because I think due to the – inabilities of that offensive line. I think that's why we saw him call the game the way he did. Well, maybe so. Maybe so. I do want to look at a couple of other things. So the Houston Texans defense in that first half, they pressured Lamar Jackson on 58% of his dropbacks. So we're looking at a team that we praised just, just in the second segment about this defense and how good they played. Yeah. Made it difficult for Lamar Jackson to get comfortable throughout the day. Also, C.J. Stroud under pressure. Under pressure, 66% of his passes were completed with a 64, uh, really 65% passer rating, 3.6 yards per attempt. No pressure. He completed 57% of his passes with an 84% passer rating, 6.4 yards per attempt. So, Again, we're looking at C.J. Stroud uh, going up against a team that was very aggressive with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, He was not bad. No touchdowns, but no interceptions uh, on the day. And also, you look at a team coming at C.J. Stroud. No blitz, 22 of 34, 175 yards, 5.1 yards per attempt with a 77.5 pass rating. Against the blitz, 6 of 10, 67 yards, 6.7 yards per attempt with an 80% passer rating. C.J. Stroud, I think, was very good on the day with and without the pressure in his face. He is a guy that a lot of people had question marks surrounding his. uh, In Ohio State, a lot of things are given to you, right? It's a lot of space for your wide receivers to operate on. But C.J. Stroud did a very good job going up against the defense against the Baltimore Ravens, and I'm proud of the young man. I am concerned. We're looking at more on the Texans' loss to the Ravens. I'm concerned about this running game. And I'm concerned because there was no difference in the offense. And, Cody, back to your point, a lot of this could have just been simply because, well, the offensive line wasn't good. And so that limited Mm -hmm. your play calling. But there there was no change of pace with Devin Singletary in compared to Damian Pierce. Neither one of those guys did anything on Sunday that that stood out to me. Now, this is early in the season. This team is going up against a lot of adversity. I'm looking at the game next week versus the Colts, in-division game, a rivalry game. Maybe the circumstances are different. But throughout the week, Houston as a team on the offensive side of the ball – they got to find a way to scheme up those two guys, especially Damian Pierce. You also consider they did not really 
to the to this point right now, they didn't really challenge Damian Pierce. Like they, it was a foregone conclusion. You are our starting running back because we believe in you, rightfully so. But he still got to go out there and do a better job. And I think that throughout the season, what we saw from Damian Pierce, we may see it again. He will. Granted, the offensive line has to be much better, and I'm curious to see how Houston helps that O-line hold up for the next three games with no Titus Howard, no Juice Scruggs, and a lot of the shifting and shifting and moving around bodies. I do wonder if the next shift with this O-line that we're going to see, I do wonder if it's going to get a tad bit better because when you go back and you take a look at Josh Jones, his debut with the Houston Texans, playing left guard, he was not good. That wasn't surprising to me, John, listeners and viewers, because remember, what is something that I've been saying ever since the Houston Texans acquired him from the Arizona Cardinals? He is not good at guard. He is best at tackle. However, after George Fant went down with that, I think he suffered a shoulder injury, if I'm not mistaken, and they put him at right tackle. He's back at a position that he's best at. So, you know, maybe that might be a blessing in disguise, unfortunately, for the Houston Texans. And I say unfortunately only because you're looking at another offensive lineman who has went down with an injury we don't have an update or status or anything on George Fant as of right now but this might be a situation where due to the injury to Fant you are going to get the better version of Josh Jones and it's not going to look as bad giving up that fifth round pick like he did on Sunday Thank you guys for checking out today's episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast. Remember, we are with you every day this week covering your Houston Texans. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On Texans and make sure that you follow us, subscribe, and comment to the Locked On Texan Podcast on YouTube as well. And as always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, forget the loss. This game, you got some promise with your Houston Texans. Peace.